Daniel, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, my friend. Uh, can you hear me and see me okay? I can hear you and see you perfectly. All right, man. Well, hey, welcome to the Edge Broadcast. Thank you very much. I, I don't know. I, uh, I I don't know if you've ever seen the show in its entirety. We don't put this entire show up online. We only put the actual interview section. But um, uh, I, I I was doing an intro in the first half hour talking about. I feel a little bit about tonight's show. We're talking about the synchronicity of love, and I and I, this is always this is kind of shaky here because I got I got to say something. So I don't know where you stand on issues, but I said we're kind of like the Titanic here. We're the orchestra on the Titanic because our our border has been invaded. <laughs> I don't say you could be on either side. I don't know. I'm taking that chance, but I'm just saying it's a little bit about like we're the orchestra on the Titanic. We're going to talk about love. While this over here is going on, but perhaps, perhaps the synchronicity of love will will, will be will be able to put that out there, and it will go into into places out in the internet world, and it'll do something good. What do you think? I think we should give it a shot. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the two things I, I I'm appreciative of talking to you tonight. One, the world needs a lot more love, and two, I'm a, I'm a big believer in synchronicity. So you've combined those two. And I don't know if you've seen our website. We have a, a, a actual poll. We always put a poll up related to the guest subject. And tonight's poll is, do you believe in synchronicity? And let me just, what happens is, uh, John, we, we check it later in the show, see if the needle moves. Uh, and it really has to do with the guest. If you make a convincing argument, that needle will move. So right now, here's the results of our poll earlier in our interviews. Um, looks like uh, 60% believe that it is real. Twenty yeah. percent um, said they don't know what it is. Twelve percent says no <laughs> such thing. And, and some people need proof, and others say it's just a coincidence. Now, wh- where do you fall on uh, the reality of synchronicity? Well, I can definitely tell you, I fell in that crowd where it was just a coincidence for a long time in my life. <laughs> I uh, I owned a chemical company. I was a store manager for a regional grocery chain at a number of stores. I spent a lot of years at the racetrack when I was in my 20s, so I was kind of really grounded and practical in what I would call uh, logic and calculating probabilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, But when these things start to happen, <laughs> one after another after another going, dang, what are the chances of that, you know? And so, um, yeah, if I could just share like, a little quick story, probably my first introduction to synchronicity, but at the time it happened, I don't think I'd even heard of the word, didn't even know what it meant. Um, it was a period of time where uh, everything that could go wrong had all gone wrong at the same time for me. Um, been married for 15 years, had two kids, aged 9, 11, mm-hmm. and my wife got cancer. She was able to, uh, they were able, well, they ended up taking her entire thyroid gland out. And, uh, but she was, you know, she changed. And long story short, she decided to leave, <laughs> which happens oh. sometimes when people get cancer and they're kind of confronted with life and death. And suddenly I was a single dad with custody of my two kids. I'd left to start my own company and had lost all of our money. We were $650,000 in debt. Uh, And at the same time, for some reason, I had this freakish fear of death. All these things happening at the same time. And I had not even been to church and not been religious in any way. I just just thought it was all make-believe. And But, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you want to try new things. And... uh, I signed up for my first ever spiritual retreat, which ironically really focused on unconditional love. And um, and I was really nervous because I'd never done anything like this. And I hop on the plane, flying down to uh, where the retreat is, and the woman next to me in the plane is reading the retreat leader's book. 
180 people on the plane. I mean, what are the chances that the two people going are seated side by side? And I signed up at the very last minute, too. And um, and it was great because I remember looking at her and she goes, well, you look normal. And I said, well, you look normal, too. It's like, OK, well, maybe this is going to be OK. Just some sweet grandmother from Kalispell, Montana. <laughs> and uh, and so my whole book is about how the more I started to focus on unconditional love and try to hang out there, the more of these sort of miraculous synchronicities started to happen. Doors were opening. The more I kept thinking mathematically the odds of some of these happening were just beyond belief and them happening over and over and over again so I totally honor the people that say they don't know what it means because I didn't either I totally honor the people that uh, think it's all a coincidence because I did too but they start to add up after a while and there's sort of a fine line between coincidence synchronicity and miracles hey John John do you have uh, studio lights I don't and you see how bright it is don't you yeah yeah, and I feel really bad. It's actually sunny here in Seattle, which almost never happens. Okay. And I don't usually do a podcast this time of day. And okay. the room is flooded with light, and I got no dang shades. So oh. <laughs> okay, well, okay. yeah, well, I'm gonna be kind of glowing with sunlight. Well, here. yeah. Really well, in that case, here you sort of got that angelic thing going on there. Well, hey, all right, yeah, look, man. <laughs> now it's just the late afternoon sun. So <laughs> it, so listen, we. Um, as we talk, I mean, if, if something about synchronicity comes to mind, I'm just going to lay it out there. One of them is uh, I, I uh, was at uh, Kalispell last last year. Now that's odd yeah. that you mentioned that that uh, that town there. But uh, here, let me give you a little anecdotal story myself. Just happened just recently. So uh, we remodeled our bathroom and we needed a specific cabinet. And this cabinet that we wanted was at IKEA. You know what that is? Yeah. Okay, so the IKEA said, "Hey, uh, we don't have it. It won't be here for three weeks." But now we're in, in Central Indiana, and they said, "But you can go on the all the way over to the east side of Ohio, drive over there because they don't ship." And they <laughs> said, "Then you, you you pick one up, you know." And it's it's an all day drive back and forth, you know. But but hey, we went to every every place in you know every furniture place in town to get something at least like it. Couldn't find it, so I said, "All right, so, all right, we're going. We're going tomorrow." I said, "But before we go, uh, you know, I, I told the wife, I said, I'm just go ahead and sign up for the notification uh, when they get it, when they get one here at the Indianapolis IKEA, and, and yeah. then in three weeks we'll go. You know, I'll see exactly how close to that three week time period it actually did come in. Not that I would get it because we'd already been in Ohio to get it. So we're getting ready to go Ohio the next day. So the next day, I got a bleep on my phone, and you know where I'm going with this? It was the notification." that the, the cabinet came in the next day. Now, two people at Ikea said they wouldn't have it for three weeks. We had nearly got in. We were going to our car to yeah. drive way the hell on the other side of Ohio to get this thing because that's how bad. It's the only one that would have fit for our situation. But we got a notification that wasn't supposed to happen. And so that's classic synchronicity in my book. Well, it is for me, too. And if it happens once in your life, okay, maybe it's a coincidence. But when that thing starts to happen over and over and over again, you start to go, I, I think there's something here that maybe I haven't been seeing. And uh, and that's how I felt about it. One time, I'll call it a coincidence. Over and over and over again, there's something else going on that maybe I just hadn't been aware of in my life. Okay. Uh, uh, we got a comment from somebody in the live chat watching the program. Okay. It says, uh, we're going we're gonna to take it as a sign that you are going to shed a lot of light on the tonight's subject. 
<laughs> I'll do my. Well, I'm sitting here bathed in sunlight, which doesn't happen in Seattle very often. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Okay. So Seattle. Um, yeah. I got a lot of a lot of views about that. All right. So um, is, is synchronicity. So we're talking about it, it, it. The probability is it's beyond chance. Yep. Then that means something is. I don't want to say interfering, but something is sending some message of some kind. Yep. Right? So Yeah, I think if, if you're a churchgoer, you know, a regular churchgoer, uh, you might call it a miracle. And, you know, obviously there's big miracles and little miracles and everything in between miracles. But, yeah, so there's uh, what I think uh, there's something working behind the scenes. And whether you want to call it God or the universe or something, I don't really know. Uh, you know, your soul, divinity, angels, I, I don't really know. Uh, the, but what I notice is the more I notice them and start to pay attention to them, the more they start to happen. And so there does seem to be some sort of, you know, um, how can I say it? There's countless people throughout time that have hit rock bottom and just literally on their knees said, not my will, but thy will. God, what do you want from me? And things start to happen. And things that they couldn't have expected start to happen. And the idea is to pay attention. And I think the more you pay attention, in my experience, uh, and it's a hard thing to put into words, the, it's almost like life, you realize, doesn't have to be so scary, so dangerous, I think there are actually what I would call benevolent forces out there that are actually looking out for you. It's just sort of like pay attention. There's little breadcrumbs being dropped here and there. And the more you pay attention and follow the breadcrumbs, the more and more of these things start to happen. And it kind of gets to the point where, like, maybe they're not miracles. Maybe we call them miracles because it seems like it happens so frequently uh, or so infrequently. But when it starts to happen more and more, it starts to become kind of the new norm. And for me, that was a real shocker because I was about as competitive, logic, uh, logical, rational guys you're ever going to find. <laughs> well, John, John, you said in your intro there sort of um, that you had a fear of death. Yep. What was causing that? I have no idea. So uh, growing up, I was a part-time Catholic at best. We would go for a while, then not go for a while, and we'd go for a while, not go for a while. And to be honest, I uh, was walking to church one day with my family, and I was age 13, and in our Catholic tradition, a woman had to cover her head before she entered church. And this day, my mother didn't cover her head, and I said, hey, Mom, you know, it's a sin. You didn't cover your head. And she goes, well, the church changed the rules. It's not a sin anymore. And it was like this flabbergasting, like, oh, it never occurred to me that men are making the rules, not God. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was so shocking to me. I stopped going to church and never went for 30 more years. Never went to church once. I just thought, you know, if it's just men, people just making it up, then, you know, whatever. I'm just not going to go. And so, like I said, I kind of took this competitive, logical, rational uh, path. And, um, and so when it came over me, and I don't know why it came over me, I had nothing to fall back on. I had no foundation. I had no church upbringing, uh, no family upbringing that talked about what happens when you die. I didn't have any belief one way or another about heaven or hell or reincarnation or anything. So it was terrifying. And I was too proud at that age and stage of my life to even go ask anybody about it. And so, yeah, I was kind of this grown man running around behind closed doors, terrified of death. 
Um, are there a lot of people that go to church in in, uh, in Seattle? Uh, no, there's less people that go to church in Seattle than any other major city in the whole United States. Um, so there's less churches per capita. It still seems like there's a lot around, but I keep reading it's less per capita than any other uh, area in the entire United States. So, so do you go to church now there? No, I do not go to church. Okay. Uh, did you go there for some time? No, I hadn't gone since I was 13 years old. Okay. okay. All right. So you're moving into this realm of, of, of seeing synch- synchronistic type activities indicating yeah. that there might be a light on your path. Now, yeah. at, at any time, did a synchronicity um, save you from making a mistake? Um, you know, I, I have to think about that. Um, so I can tell you what started to happen to me, uh, is I started to have dreams. Okay. Probably used to have dreams, but I didn't know I had dreams and I didn't know there was anything of value in the dreams. And so I started having dreams and I wrote a chapter in the, in my book near the end called the spectrum of dreams. Cause I've been writing down my dreams for 20 years now. And there's an unbelievable rich amount of what I would call guidance in dreams. Uh, There's a lot of what seems like convoluted mess they can't make any sense of either. And so what started happening is I started getting what I would call guidance in dreams. And so um, was it the kind of guidance that said, no, 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 don't go that way, you're gonna fall off a cliff? Eh, Maybe it wasn't as clear as that, but still there was a lot of guidance. Um, And like I said, it's, uh, I. I had, um, I'll I'll share you one example with you, it sounds so off the wall, so I'd had six years of chronic neck pain, and I'd been rear-ended in a car crash, and I just assumed that it was whiplash type stuff, and since I was a tough guy, didn't go to the doctor, uh, you know, a year later, suddenly I've got chronic neck pain, and it was so bad that I would go to work and stand at my desk, I would do stretching exercises, I did, uh, I went to the doctor, I went to physical therapy, I got acupuncture, I tried everything normal and not so normal to try and heal my neck, nothing worked. And I went home one day early from work and I crawled in bed to take a nap and literally in tears and said, why the fuck does my neck hurt so bad? And in an instant, I'm sorry, <laughs> I speak French sometimes, uh, but that's what happened. And uh, and this powerful dream came through like as if answering my question and I and it was uh, a monk dressed in a red robe with a shaved head pacing back and forth out in front of my house and I couldn't for the life of me figure out how that monk pacing in front of my house in the stream had anything to do with my neck pain and so but I had just joined this dream forum online and the teacher had been teaching for 35 years that dreams are sacred and he goes, John, that dream has everything to do with why your neck hurts. I'm like, I don't get it. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, I want you to open this idea that you have a very spiritual side of yourself, but you're not letting it in. You're so wedded to that logical, rational side, you're not letting another part of yourself in. in. That's why he's pacing outside your house. And he goes, I just want you to open to this idea that you have a spiritual side. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, so just open. So a few months later, I have another dream. And in this dream, this healer is coming to heal my neck. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank God, this guy's going to heal my neck. But just as he puts his hand on right above my neck, uh, and, and this is a dream, so dreams are kind of weird, this angry old man who lives in my neck 
excuse my French again, says, get the, get the F away. And I was like, there's something here I'm not getting. And again, the guy working with the dream says, I want you to see, John, that you carry resistance in your neck. People, all, all people carry resistance of some kind or another, and they usually carry it somewhere in their body. And they'll get headaches, neck aches, back aches, shoulder aches, stomach aches. My neck hurt fiercely, and it was a time in my life, you know, I had custody of my kids. I was 650000 in debt. It didn't look like I was going to be able to turn my company around. I was terrified of death. I was resisting a lot of things. And he goes, I just want you to open this idea that you carry resistance in your neck. You have a spiritual side you've never considered before. And it took two more years, whole series of dreams, and one day my neck pain was gone. And I, I, Daniel, I had gone so far as to have surgery where they put uh, cortisone, you know, steroids between the facet joints in my neck. And when I woke up, the neck still hurt. And so it was a whole lesson in learning that sometimes what we resist and carrying a lot of resistance can carry, uh, create a lot of pain in the body. And it never was about the car crash. <laughs> and my neck's never hurt since. And I just had to learn, you know, when things go, you know, everybody has tough times in their life, not to fight it so much, not to resist it so much. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I talk about synchronicities, there's such a wide variety of things that started to happen. You know, really crazy what I would call borderline miraculous healing stories that I had no idea were possible. I may have heard of them, but I never believed them before. And still they started until they started to happen to me. Hmm. Um, you mentioned that uh, uh, Seattle has the, you said the, the least amount of churchgoers is that per state? capita is that what per capita yes per, per capita true. yeah but isn't I mean fr- from my vantage point here in the, in the Midwest I mean as I, as I you know basic news feeds and things like that isn't there um, then that's not a vacuum there with that out isn't there a lot of people that like um you know, necromancers and and stones and healers and 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 uh, seers and uh, wizards and warlocks. Isn't there isn't there a lot of pe- people like that in Seattle? As well? I've never met anybody like that. I'm okay. sure they're there. Okay. Well, the reason I'm saying <laughs> that is because you know, obviously, you said some 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 bad things happened to you. Um, but I'm just thinking if you're sort of in an epicenter of a, uh, I think that I think that negative forces congregate geographically yeah and, and i always even say that well we're here close to indianapolis um there is a there's a uh, a a uh, a meaning to that even in the name which you probably never heard but uh this the legend is that indianapolis was not based upon indians it was based upon the goddess diana hence you have in diana Polis, so that means in the goddess Diana, the city, the city of mm-hmm. goddess Diana. And in the center of the city is a statue to Diana at the very top. It's called the Soldiers and Sailors Monument and it, and and right at the top of the center of the city. Uh, so, and there's a lot of evil in this town. Uh, Indianapolis is pretty high up in murder rate and it certainly has a lot of crime. It's a nasty place. Uh, but So I'm just saying geographically and now biblically there was also that there was they show that there were different demons that controlled territories. So if you're in a territory that's controlled by demons, and demons typically are manifested by weird, you know, and you have all the drug use and the homelessness and the crime, lack of spirituality or spirituality into the dark mystic forces, 
then you could be affected by that. And maybe some of the things that happened to you came from that. Yeah, I, you know, um, Daniel, I, I, I can't really talk knowledgeably about that. I know a few people that that is their reality. Uh, that's what they study. That's what they encounter. I mean, if you were to ask me, and I, and I don't even live in Seattle, so we live in Redmond, which is where Microsoft is headquartered. So we're about 20 minutes east of Seattle. And it's like a whole new world anyway, because uh, like I call my little neighborhood that I live in Little India now, because everybody that lives around here is from India. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they all work for Microsoft, all except me. So I, I can't really vouch for Seattle. But my experience of Seattle is it's the most literate town in the United States. Uh, what are you going to do in these rainy days? Like drink coffee and read books. So it's a very literate town. Mm -hmm. um, and with the spirituality that I see tends to be more like yoga meditation, not like conjuring up the dark forces. And I'm not saying that those aren't out there, but um, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing. Uh, every human being, the way I see it is like a tuning fork and Whatever their, I, I hate this term, but whatever their vibration is, is how they're going to see the world. And, you know, if you are, uh, if your vibration is, you know, I'm going to just say angry son of a bitch, you know, power hungry, mm -hmm. then, then what I would call those dark forces are going to be hanging out with you. And I, and same thing, you know, if you're, walking around uh, on clouds, you know, preaching love, I think you're going to have angels hanging out around you. I mean, okay, that's well, just kind of how I see it. I'm all for the uh, yeah. angelic intervention. By the way, people watching the show in the live chat, if you had a <laughs> synchronicity, and you, of course that means you know what it is, just say, I had one, or yes, and then uh, we'll relay that to the guest. Uh, by the way, welcome in our live chat, Antivirus, Grumpy Army Vet, and Rick Grimes. If you have a question for uh, John David Ladd about the synchronicity of love, or synchronicity in general, or love, because, hey, we're talking about love, and who doesn't need more to understand love? We'll get that question to him tonight. All right, so, John, um, we talked about synchronicity as if there is a controlling force or somebody, but doesn't, doesn't the fact that synchronicity then means that somebody knows the future? So the synchronicity tells you you're on the path because if you're on the wrong path, the future would bode not well for you. Is, doesn't that mean there's some yeah. in that angle it has to be a part of this? I actually totally agree. Now, not everybody agrees with me, but I, I was really moved. Uh, Lorna Byrne uh, wrote a bunch of books about communicating with angels. She's uh, Irish Catholic. She's and uh, she's been seeing and communicating with angels since earliest childhood. She sees them every day. She says every single person without fail has a guardian angel that follows them everywhere and is whispering in their ear. But most people just aren't listening. And, uh, and, and she wrote a really interesting book, and there's some things in there, and it was exactly that. The angels would go and talk to her periodically about her future. Now, not is she going to eat at McDonald's at, you know, noon tomorrow kind of stuff, but more big picture stuff. And so she's a little girl. She's like 12 years old, and the angels point to a, a young man, and they say, that's going to be your husband someday. But don't say anything or do anything. Just wait. And sure enough... Six years later, suddenly he's working at her dad's garage, and they start dating, and sure enough, they, you know, they end up getting married, and the angel said, now your husband's only going to live, I think she said, for 20 years, and for the last 10 years, he's going to be deathly ill, and so you're going to be basically raising your kids all by yourself. It's exactly what happened. He got really very ill, 
they were just kind of living, barely surviving, let's just put it that way. And so over and over again, the angels would just kind of give her kind of a guidance towards what her path is going to be. But it wasn't like they were following her, whispering in her ear every day about what to eat, how to dress, you know. It was big picture stuff. And in my experience, that is what is happening uh, with synchronicity. It's just little breadcrumbs that are thrown down to kind of get you back on your path. And if you pay attention to them, there's a lot of um, amazing just what feels like fulfillment and meaning uh, in having that right. guidance. Sure, um, yeah, sure, sure it does. There does seem to be some... It, yeah. it, it actually gives you the feeling that you're not alone. Uh, That's exactly right. So, yeah. All right, so Jade, our moderator, said, I've had synchronicity. Mickey V says, yes, a bunch. Tony in Louisiana, yes. Ottoman Albuquerque, lots of synchronicity all the time. And I've always said when we t- come across this subject that, and I agree with you here, here that that if you sort of pay attention to them, you might see a lot more. Yep. Yeah, and I think for me, and I think the other people I've talked to, the more it happens, the more it still instills what I call a sense of trust in you. Some people might call it faith. I call it trust. And uh, I just have this almost, almost, maybe not 100%, but a 99% unshakable trust that everything's going to work out. I'm, you know, even Lorna with her book with angels, it was kind of like the sort of need to know basis. Like I said, they didn't tell her everything. They kind of gave her big picture stuff, and uh, <clears throat> and and so I just even when things are kind of going difficult, I just have this sense something's going to come along. It's going to mm-hmm. kind of get me, you know. I just I'm just not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to put that anymore. I just there's this well, sense. Good. of trust. I tell you what, there's a lot of people need to not have fear, and uh, you know I mentioned uh, yeah. the the uh, the tidal wave of. Uh, human in, in, uh, immigration into our country, the, the, yeah. the Biden, some people call it Biden's invasion, but um, in general, uh, a lot of, most of the people in South America are Catholics. Um, yep. And so, oh God, in Mexico, they're probably 99% Catholic. So, yeah. you know, then <laughs> that means they're God fearing. And when they, yeah. when they get here, so here's, here's people that may have fear about that because we don't want to talk about the Biden, Biden invasion. I, you know, I'm not saying from a fear standpoint, it's not xenophobia because phobia means, fear of something i'm not in fear uh just you know it's just mentally we're all going to have to adjust how that we're each going to be impacted and each of us make decision how we respond or address it if we're ne- if it's needed to we're going to have to make choices they're going to decide we're going to somebody's going to is forcing us to make decisions and think about things that we never had to and so now we have to but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing uh as you just agree with me on that these are god-fearing people and lord knows we need more God-fearing people in this country because, as you just say, the people's not going to church in Seattle. Uh, I put, I would, I, I don't necessarily say if you don't go to church, and I, I don't, I don't particularly go to church myself. What I do is I, I'll follow maybe a ministry, you know, internet or whatever, and I try to walk out my faith, you know, and I call that church, you know, yeah. and then so, um, but uh, so we, the people, the evidence is. In this country, there's a huge amount of people that are not godly, that are not, they don't yeah. have a god consciousness at all, and certainly, they don't have this love situation. You're talking about synchronicity of love. We need to be sharing some of that with them uh, over there. All right, Doug in uh, Virginia says he's had synchronicity. I had a guest on that said one time, uh, John David Latta, that um, they lived by synchronicity. They were able to advance yep. to such a stage that they literally moved from place to place and did this and that. 
in a synchronistic order of some kind. What, that's got to be pretty high up here in the vibrational realm, doesn't it? Well, I would think so. I, I, um, I don't, I don't want to say that that makes those people better than people who don't do it that way. Uh, but I, I do think uh, the more that you experience it and learn to trust it, and the more you're willing to let it kind of guide your life, it, it has like a, you know, a certain almost enchantment to your life that you just can't get any other way. And so, um, but I think there are quite a few people that live that way. Not, you know, there's a lot of people, and there's sort of a crossover into what I would call intuition. Um, you know, I like to tell the story. Sir Richard Branson is England's uh, richest entrepreneur in history, billionaire. And a lot of people don't know he never got past eighth grade in school, terribly dyslexic. Wow. And so what happens to a lot of people that are really deficient in one area, they become really proficient in another area. And his intuition was just off the charts. And he lives and dies by intuition. And, um, and I, he said it got to the point where if somebody applied for work to work for me, I knew within 30 seconds whether that person was the right person for me. And uh, I didn't have to read, do a whole background check. I didn't have to read his resume, call his, I just knew. And I trusted that. And he trusts it to this day. Uh, somebody challenged him once because he, he started uh, Virgin Records was his first company. He's created, I don't know how many, like the hardest thing to do nowadays is to start an airline. And he took it as a challenge. And, uh, and everybody told him, you cannot get an airline off the ground, a new airline, all the airports, the big airlines, it's all stacked against you. And he goes, I guarantee I can do it in a year. He did it in nine months. And he trusts that inner guidance system. And to me, there's a crossover between that and synchronicity. And a lot of people just aren't in touch with that part of themselves. And the more that they can be in touch with that, and the more trust they build in it, uh, life just becomes easier. Mm. All right. I had one person here said that they um, uh, they feel that maybe that synchronistic events are what they call um, being led by the Holy Spirit, and that's the term in the yep. Christian realm, being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, to yeah. me, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit can go hand in hand with synchronicity because it seems like leading, the leading of the Holy Spirit, to me, is more like an unction. Um, that you know, you know, I, I should do this, or I, I you know, I, I want to send a gift over here. You have this unction type of thing where synchronicity yeah. is an event, it's, but I believe they can coexist peacefully. Synchronicity and the leading of the Holy Spirit, you might say, and angels. Um, but I would, I would call it the same thing myself. I would literally call it the same thing. Okay. Well, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so and I, I'm happy. I'm totally happy, even though I don't go to church. I'm totally happy to say all my synchronicities were led by the Holy Spirit. I'm totally fine with that language. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. So if one doesn't have synchronicities hap happening, is there a way they can sort of force the issue? I mean, is there a way to trigger <laughs> a, a synchronicity? You know, because well, hey, if you're if you're, it's a it's a it's a disease, synchronicity disorder. And so yeah. you're not having them, okay? But you want to have them. Yeah. So how can one cause them to start happening? Well, so the first thing I always say, it sounds so simple, it's kind of crazy, is ask. Yeah. And, and you know, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, just ask. 
I, I want to have synchronicities in my life. I want to see them. I want to pay attention to them. I want to follow them. I want to see where it takes me and, uh, and, and ask. And if it doesn't happen the next day, ask again. If it doesn't happen the next day, ask again. Uh, my belief is uh, the universe is incredibly generous and abundant. Uh, sometimes you just got to ask and you got to have faith that it's going to happen. And then when it happens, just say, okay, that was cool. Now bring me another one. And I'm willing to let that start to lead and guide my life. I, you know, this is, again, just my understanding. The more you start to have these experiences, the more you start to trust them, then all the usual fears that we get that probably go all the way back to earliest childhood, even the fear of, you know, a whole bunch of Ill illegal immigration coming all at once, it doesn't matter as much anymore. What matters is, uh, your connection to what I would call God or your soul or the Holy Spirit or to divinity, you get in alignment with that, you're going to be fine. doesn't mean life might not be difficult at times because, you know, things happen. But I, I, I preach this to people, and I don't preach, but I, I guess I do. I tell people all the time the most important thing is that alignment. And if you're aligned with what that is for you, and you're not following what your church told you to do or what your parents told you to do or what your, you know, your teachers told you to do. Follow that inner guidance system. Learn to trust it. It's, it's, it's the best resource imaginable. Hmm. Well, uh, again, I, I, I would say that if somebody hasn't had any, um, <clears throat> I think there's another thing to that, John, and it is um, be more aware you know, you may not necessarily have, say, synchronicities, but at every moment that you're awake and everywhere that you go and everyone that you meet, it can be a transcendent event if yep. you're aware, if you're, I, I, I use this a little trepidly there, uh, open to it. Uh, somebody said, well, you're open to the devil. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is be aware that the person that's serving you at the restaurant may not be there by accident in, li in the life paths. You know, you're, the people that you meet may not just be random. And if they're not random, and, I, and here's what I would say, some are random and some are not. Some are put there. And time and space has aligned them to, do, to, to, to bring a synchronistic event, one, or to, to, to interact synchronistically to show you that there's something going on there. But you have to, the ones that are not, if, if you're closed off, then you're not going to get the ones that are. You said, well, that wasn't that was that was pure hell. That didn't mean nothing. And then you have a good one. You said, well, that means something. But if you're over here trying to shut them, shut this off, you might be shutting some of the good ones off. So if you're just kind of open that even the nastiest per, you know waitress that comes to you with an attitude, that might be the one that's actually bringing you some kind of message that you need to hear or some kind of interaction that needs to take place. You just don't know. I totally agree, and I uh, I forget that all the time, but and yet it's true. Like sometimes, uh, remarkable people show up in your life if you're just willing to have at least a little bit of an open door, a little bit of an open mind. Like, yeah, sometimes the nastiest people are have something really important for you. I I I, you know, I I um I don't know if you ever saw Steve Jobs uh, did a commencement address at Stanford about 10 or 15 years ago. You can look it up on YouTube mm -hmm. and it's really good. And one of the things he talks about is sometimes you can't always see these things until you look back in retrospect. And looking back, it's like, oh God, it all makes perfect sense. 
And if looking back, it makes perfect sense, then it makes more sense today to start, like you said, being a little more awake, a little more open to these things. And he talked about, um, uh, so he was adopted by a very blue collar family and who promised to uh, put him through college, but he was a smart guy and he was at a private school and they, he realized if he stayed for four years, he was going to suck up all of his parents' money and he didn't want to do that. So he dropped out after six months and he hung around anyway and uh, started auditing some of the classes. And he said, instead of taking the classes I had to take, I started taking the classes I wanted to take. And it sounds really funny. He fell in love with calligraphy and he took a calligraphy class. And, you know, I grew up with a dad who was an engineer and an ex-Marine and, um, you know, he used to always rail on about college teaching basket weaving and how the hell are you ever going to get a job with, you know, a class in basket weaving? Well, here's Steve Jobs taking a class in calligraphy and he loves it. Like every fiber of his being loves it. Well, not too long after that, you know, he created the Apple Macintosh computer and he thought, wouldn't it be cool if we gave the, uh, the owners of the Apple Macintosh computers different fonts to choose from? And because uh, the PC up to that point only had one kind of font and he gave a whole and he goes, that single thing was what put the Apple Macintosh on the map. We could choose different fonts and Apple has gone to the moon and more or less the first, second or biggest company in the world. And he goes, but I didn't know that at the time. I just I was following my heart, which said, I want to take this calligraphy class. That was the thing that put Apple on the map. And he told a bunch of other examples like that. He goes, you know, kind of following your heart, following your intuition, following that inner guidance, and things will start to make sense over time looking backwards. Mm. By the way, I had a, a question. It looked like it was directed for me okay. <laughs> in the live chat. It said, Daniel, do you really trust God? And I think, well, that hopefully is, a, is, is apparent. I certainly uh, am pretty emphatic about that. I mean, man, yeah. I meant. um it, it, for somebody not to trust God, man, is, is like is, is like somebody just being tossed about by every wind wind out there and did, just ha, doesn't have a purpose. But I believe my ship my ship has sailed, John, and I believe it has a <laughs> it has a, a lane a shipping lane that the winds are blowing my ship through these lanes and I have a, a destination somewhere down. The, but it's been a quite quite the journey through my life and I really love it. So. But uh, so we're talking about the synchronicity of love. Now we got to get a little dark here because okay. if love has a synchronicity, does hate have a synchronicity? Um, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I I don't know. Um, so I call it the synchronicity of love because I felt like for me, Daniel. The more I try to align myself with unconditional love, which I think was one of the many messages that Jesus brought, you know, to earth 2000 years ago, the more I stay there, the more doors start to open for me. And so uh, hate and being in that, you know, the feeling, the emotion, the vibration of hate will open different doors. But the best way I can put it is, um, more doors will open when you're hanging out in love than when you're hanging out in hate. And there's actual science behind this, that, that when you are really angry and full of rage and hate, you're tightly contracted. And so your options in, in every situation are really limited. The more relaxed and open you are in that state of trust, trusting God, trusting love, more opportunities for 
solutions come to you. And and I think that's the best way I can put it. You know, I, I get angry too sometimes. It's true. I, I think I'm better at digging my way out of it now. Um, you know, does hatred come up? Yeah, but I, I kind of just, you know, kiss it goodbye. <laughs> and and I just it's it's a hard thing to put into words, but the more you carry hate in your heart, hate in your body, hate in your mind, uh you're incredibly limited. And so in my experience no, you're not going to have what feels like miracles or synchronicities happen in your life when you're in that state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so now, John, that John, having been so you, said, people can be at rock bottom and full of hate, and you might, I, I'm, again, I'm fine calling it the Holy Spirit. They'll present an option to you. The question is whether you're going to see it mm-hmm. and, and be have enough trust to follow it. Mm-hmm. You know, hate can be a habit like anything. You do it enough brain wires a certain way, hate, 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 hate. And so you have a kind of a limited paradigm, but the more you can kind of, okay, I'm willing to get out of hate now. And, um, you know, what's that old saying? I can, you know, maybe hate the sin, but not hate the sinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's just been my experience. Doors open in ways that I just didn't know were possible. Well, no, no one wants to be called a hater. Yeah. But in today's world, if you, if you disagree with say drag queens twerking on a three-year-old in public schools, they, you're labeled as a hater. Yeah. Uh, now I've always heard that, and of course that's not hate, but um, that it's there's more love if if you if you see a bus full of kids going to a ravine and the bridge is out. It's better to stand in front of the the bus yelling, stop, stop, and risk being called a hater because you don't want them to travel down the road than it would be saying, hey, I got love, whatever, man. Just go on. You know, I don't want to tell you to stop. I don't want you to take a deep, you know, I don't want to interfere with your travel plans. So at some point, people have to understand that, that, that what's been labeled as hate is love. Love for the kids, love for a sane society, love for a moral and just society, which our for, our, our forefathers, our founding fathers, said that a, a, a just moral society is the basis of the civilization staying together. Without those, it's going to fall apart. So there's more love in that. But in it, so when you talk about the synchronicity of love, and then somebody says you're a hater, so you can't have both. You can't have both. You can you can you can have synchronicity of love or say you walk in that and also challenge the status quo because that's another section of love but the, the people that don't walk in love don't understand it they see it as hate yeah well that's yeah, we could talk for hours about that daniel uh that's a great subject and i um you know i uh i, I i'm generalizing and i hate generalizing but definitely the seattle crowd probably be more likely to support the uh, I forget what she called it, the the you know drag queen twerkers <laughs> and interacting with kids. And so, yeah, I you know whatever reason the Seattle area, and I'm generalizing because uh, trust me, the minute you get even a half hour out of Seattle, it's like the whole rest of the state of Washington is completely different. But the the Seattle area, I think, uh, very much defends people like that and tries to protect people like that. But I, I don't really see as a parent why you can't say uh, I love you guys but not for my kid I'm you know I'm gonna pull them out of school and go to a different school and so 
I think everybody has free will. Everybody can say, you know, I'm going to do what's right for me, for my family and my kids. It gets a little difficult in a public school where everybody's competing and everybody's got different agendas and, you know, but, uh, I, you know, I, I do think, and I, again, I hate generalize. I'm going to generalize that liberals in general are always fighting for, um, uh, people that have been cast out and, you know, go back to the early days, you know, it was hard being a black go back a hundred years ago. Women couldn't even vote. I mean, things we take for granted today, um, like with women, still take place in the Middle East. Women can't drive. Women have to cover their whole body. The only thing you can you know, make visible is your eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's acceptable. And so I think liberal, if you understand, if the, again, I almost hate these terms because they mean something different to everybody. But if the conservatives understood that liberals are fighting for the rights of everybody, and there's always been some class of people that just, you know, they were the wrong race, they were the wrong sex, the wrong sexual orientation, the wrong this, the wrong that, the, you know, they're always fighting for them. And now, you know, uh, people of color have made great strides, women have made great strides, so now it's all these different variations of sexuality mm-hmm. that some people say have always existed, but they just, you know, they're not, they were never well, out in the know, open. You're right, the w- women have made great uh, strides, and that's why we yeah. came up with Title IX, but now... Uh, I believe they're going. They're starting to slip backwards, strangely enough, and um, the the rights of women having their own separate but equal type of situation, which was carved out after decades of litigation and 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 cons- consultations and meetings and votes, and now it's just, that's sort of been erased. But I noticed one of the people that the 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 liberals as you say fighting for the rights of people they don't fight for the rights of parents i mean to to object to pornography in the public schools in other words not everybody gets on their protect list they have an assassination list a list of, whether speaking metaphorically of course well maybe who knows what but um you know not everyone has the right to speak now. If you don't speak exactly what you're supposed to, all of a sudden the civil rights people, they're not for free speech. It's correct speech that they want, and they change they change the goal line every time. They It's really confusing, and I, I think, like you said, probably, I mean, from uh, anecdotally, it seems like a lot of people in Seattle kind of think that way. I mean, but let me ask something, because you, you're around Seattle. I keep, it could just be news trying to get some clicks, but are there vast areas of homeless encampments there well um so here's here's my understanding when covid hit every major city in the united states and i'm talking major big cities went the same problem where suddenly uh you know businesses were closed people who were driving into downtown weren't going to work anymore and it was a bit of a ghost town and so every major town and and by the way i would this is actually a fact too. Every major city in the United States, even in the deep south, even in Texas, even the Midwest, is liberal. It's rural areas that are conservative. And so, you know, you can go whatever, Dallas, Texas voted Democrat, Austin, Texas voted Democrat, Atlanta, Georgia voted Democrat. And so it's it really isn't a red state, blue state thing anymore. It's kind of a rural uh, big city divide that's really going on right now. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, yeah, Seattle suddenly this 
what I always felt was a very safe, clean downtown. <laughs> there was homeless people everywhere. There was graffiti everywhere. I mean, even now, you're driving to town, it's like, we don't even recognize the town anymore. Portland, Oregon is even worse. I went down there with my wife uh, two or three years ago. I had never in my life seen so much homelessness. But I can also tell you on the West Coast, very different from Indiana, there's been an unbelievable influx of people moving into this area for Microsoft, for Amazon, for all these, you know, Seattle at times has been the fastest growing large city in America. Real estate prices have gone sky high. And so it was just like this perfect storm where suddenly nobody could afford to live anymore there anymore. They're living in tents. Uh, my understanding is they've reduced the number of tents. They've cut them in half. They actually used to count them all. And, um, and they've done all these studies saying um, the more your city is driven by tech, which means people who can work from home, they don't actually have to go into the office anymore. They're, they're taking longer to recover. Seattle is one of those cities. Portland is one of those cities. And San Francisco is one of those cities. And so it kind of looks like a liberal thing, but it's really a COVID tech thing. And so the other big cities in the country that weren't so driven by technology, where people turned around and went right back to work, they're pretty much back, maybe not completely normal, but almost normal. So yeah. I, my belief is, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, the liberal strongholds, you know, the left coast, they call it. They're going to come around. They're just taking longer. They just, it, COVID just murdered them. I mean, we had mm. giant sky rises that were 60% empty. Nobody mm. going to work anymore. We go to downtown and most of the restaurants were boarded up because there's nobody there. There's too many restaurants and not hey, enough people. Hey, those, those empty buildings sound like they can convert them into illegal immigrant hotels. Well... <laughs> So, and I got to say, Seattle City Council is probably about as liberal as you're going to find anywhere. And they're, they're, they live in the whole different, whole different world, Daniel. And some of the solutions they chose probably weren't where the average person would choose. I was going to say, who, yeah. who'd want that? I meant, who, who'd want to export that kind of thing? I know uh, uh, Governor Gavin uh, Gruesome in California keeps saying that California is the, the, the model state and everybody needs to follow their, their lead, but they're $30 billion deficit because they're giving out there's so many government programs out there and there's so many people fleeing the state so that liberal hellhole people don't want that anymore that's nothing to do with covid that has to do with policy those policies are sort of wrecking those those cities uh it's not whether in my point of view that it's not people staying at home or, or whatnot could probably staying at home watching porn saying they're working and stuff like that but anyway so you know um well i gotta not, i gotta jump in here since we're talking politics now <laughs> And so uh, everything you say, I agree with you. Uh, but personally, if you actually look at the numbers, not just what they say, go back, look when Donald Trump was president. Every single year he was president, the deficit massively increased. The first year was big. The next year was horrendous. Mm -hmm. The third year, even before COVID hit, almost a trillion dollar deficit. The old guard budget heart hawk republicans which are almost gone nowadays right. kept saying to donald trump what are you doing the republicans controlled all branches of government for the first two years all they did was cut taxes increase spending there was no dismantling the deep state there were no significant cuts of any kind whatsoever go look the numbers up obama looks like a freaking conservative in the amount that he was spending in his last six years in office 
Trump and the Republicans ran wild. Okay. And they okay. kept saying, if we have a big catastrophe, like a big recession, you're going to be in deep doo-doo. Well, nobody saw a worldwide pandemic coming, but that's exactly what happened. Mm. $3 well, trillion I, I, dollar deficit okay. in his last year in office, that was what Obama had in six years combined. Well, I'll and tell you so, what, I, I rather I, enjoyed the $1.87 gas prices. But, uh, it what's got our, down to 99 cents in the deep south. What's our, uh, what's our deficit now? Oh, it's over the top. But I, I, again, I okay. I'm just saying personally. When you look at the numbers, I don't think it's a Republican Democrat anymore. That's how the media presents it. Because mm -hmm. every time the Republicans get in office, they spend more than the Democrats. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to Ronald Reagan, going back to Bush Jr. when he had all six, all three branches of government controlled by Republicans. He handed off to Obama the worst recession since the Great Depression. So we and need Trump third handed party. off the worst economy since to Biden. I mean. Admitted, Biden and Obama inherited gigantic messes. And I'm not, in, in no way am I saying Biden and the Democrats are angels. I'm not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. I said the old days of Republicans being budget hawks and actually trying to run a small government, it, they're gone. That's mm -hmm. just how they pretend they are in the media. But by the time they leave office, go look at the numbers. In mm -hmm. my opinion, the best, uh, the best government we ever had was Bill Clinton president and Newt Gingrich in charge of Congress. They kept each other in check. We had 5% growth for like six years in a row. Uh, they actually ran a budget surplus. It wasn't so hard to do. And, and I, this idea of you know, Trump and the Republicans, let's cut taxes, increase spending, and borrow all of our money from China and just kick the can down the road to the next administration, it's got to stop. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's I my soapbox. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. You say it's a matter of degree. Of course, Biden is 15 times more than than Trump, but that's uh, just a matter but of degree. But he also heard a worldwide pandemic. I mean, um, you know. The, but wait, the, wait, the, wait, wait, wait. Isn't I mean, that the job of government to handle that kind of thing? Isn't that what we pay them for? I, I agree, but the last time it happened was 100 years ago, so nobody's no, going to get I it think, right. I think gross ineptitude made, made an issue like that into a catastrophe that it never needed to be when you had the the liberal teachers union saying they want billions of dollars of covid funds so they could go on vacations and keep the kids at home and causing them to start uh, having all sorts of psychological problems so i don't i, I think that we we have government to mitigate these kinds of things but when you have an inept government full of people who have no experience whatsoever they just compound the issue because they don't know what they're doing. All right. We got this question for you, David. Uh, uh, it says, uh, um, what kind of books do you like to read? Well, so um, let's see. So one of my favorite books that I read here you know, not too long ago is called The Surrender Experiment. So I actually like books that were people like me that were kind of walking through life with kind of a rigid, rational, very competitive view of life. Suddenly life opened up in a lot of ways that I didn't know were possible. Uh, Michael Singer wrote The Surrender Experiment, um, came out eh, probably five years ago, and like my book, is told in a series of short stories, true stories happen in his life, and in his description, he was a ponytailed, dope-smoking hippie working on a PhD in economics, when suddenly something happened to him, completely out of left field, changed his whole life, uh, I don't know how you would describe it. But, you know, everybody talks about having voices in his head, but you might say something happened where he suddenly realized he was the soul and those voices in his head weren't his. Like he was so separate from the voices in his head and he was feeling this immense peace. You know, it was just and everything in his life changed. And so suddenly he's this 
he gave up smoking dope. He was still a ponytailed hippie. He would meditate for hours, do yoga. And then at some point, it was like he had a dream. It was like, I need to go back out into the world. He ran this huge construction company. He ended up buying one of the very first computers at a radio shack and built a, you know, a company that was being sold for a billion dollars. It was a giant computer software company. And, uh, and I love stories like this where things just kind of come out of left field and, um, and life changes. And he, you know, where some people might call it uh, not my will but thy will, I turn my whole life over to God, That's, he used slightly different language, but he said, I was going to surrender every day. Not surrender like give up, like white flag, but I was going to do my best and let go of the results no matter what happened and kind of in a synchronistic way see what life delivers me. <laughs> he had an amazing life. And completely different from what he thought he was going to have when he was in his 20s going to University of Florida. Hmm. So how can I recommend one use, that book to everybody. So how can one use synchronicity to, uh, to advance their, their life mission? Well, I think if you... Um, yeah, that's a great question. So if you... Uh, well, let me share a dream I had with you. So... Um, uh, and true story. So I used to love to fish and um, used to fish all the time. And I was in this dream. I'm fishing on the Yakima River, which is a river a couple miles or a couple hours east of here mm -hmm. uh, on the sunny side of the mountains. And I fly fishing and it's in September. And as I'm in the dream, I'm fishing, I'm grumbling about the news and the media and all these stupid people on Facebook and social media. And in the dream, I get a little tap on my shoulder, and it's Jesus, which is so funny because I hadn't really been a Christian going to a Christian church for since 13. And he goes, come here. And so I follow him in the dream, and I'm literally walking on water, walking upstream on the river. Wow. And we go up into the mountains where the river is much more swift and you know, there's waterfalls. Anyway, we see a bunch of crime and graffiti, and we see you know cops and robbers kind of stuff, a lot of violence. And he points to all of it, and he goes, this is not your true north. Now, he didn't tell me what my true north was, but, you know, I had grown up competitive, fighting, argumentative beyond belief. I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> and he's trying to tell me, this is not your path anymore. And so, um, and, and then I was like, okay, I get that. And then literally, we walked downstream. I still remember, like yesterday, waving to the farmers <laughs> as we're walking on the river. You know, they don't see me, but I see them. Go back down, pop me in. And it was, in a way, it was kind of like that movie, A uh, Christmas Carol, where, in, in this case, my ghost of Christmas past was Jesus, you know. Wow. And so, um, dang, Daniel, I'm getting old now. I, I forgot your question. Uh, I was going to tie it. better their life. Oh, yeah. So I, I think if you if you ask sincerely, like, show me the synchronicities in my life that I need to have that's going to help get me on my path. Because my understanding, whatever you want to call it, God or some kind of divine guidance, whether it's Jesus or angels or the Holy Spirit, we have free will and they're not going to come down and smite us and say, we got to do this, or we got to do that. What they are going to do is give us subtle signs. And if we are open to those and we trust them, we will find ourselves on our path and mission. Mm -hmm. And so what I would call uh, the most important thing you can do is ask and say, I, as I know myself to be, want to be in alignment with my soul's calling or my mission. And then wait, the synchronicities will happen. I mean, if that is really, if there's sincerity, I think is one of the most 
valuable qualities on what I call the spiritual journey. And if you're really sincere with the ask, it'll come. Mm -hmm. and, and so when you were saying that, I was thinking, who are you asking? <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> that's a good question. So um, if I were to ask, I would say I'm asking, okay, so all of us have a body and all of us have a mind and most of us, most of the time, identify with the body and the mind. You say, who are you? Well, here I am. This is me. And you know, people will usually spew out their beliefs. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I believe in this. I don't believe in that. I'm a man or a woman. And so there's all these. And so that's okay. our identity. But behind it all is the soul. And the soul is connected to God. And so what I would describe it as I, as the ego, as the personality of this human being, I'm saying, I want to be in alignment with my soul. I want to be in alignment with divinity. What does my soul want me to do or experience? What's my soul's purpose or mission in being uh, a human being here on earth? And so that's the best way I would describe it. But I'm totally at peace with people just saying, God, you know, God, tell me. God, tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think God will tell you what to do, but... God, give me some signs. Show me what my purpose or mission is. How can mm -hmm. I be more attuned and aligned to you? Mm -hmm. And things. And if if the ask is sincere, in my experience, things will change. Well, I would say if somebody is not getting synchronicity happening, then in lieu of that, and, and I wouldn't even say in lieu of, I say in addition to that, when you get some, in the meantime, rely on Psalms one nineteen one hundred five, which says. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, which is because you're not getting synchronicity directions. You can you can get direction on your path and light on your path uh, by the word by the word of God. I mean, so that's going to help yeah. you because it's it's like a time lock device. If if, if if you're not getting answers, look in there. It's going to come. And you say ask you know ask who who do you ask? I would say in this case here you would you would pray to God through the Holy Spirit and say, oh, lead me in the in the word of your word to answer this situation in my life. If people did that before they started reading the word, say like you just open it up and many people have it. And that actually becomes a synchronicity event. Because if you yep. open up that word and say, you know, what should I do? And all of a sudden you, you see it, you open it up randomly and there's a scripture there. You just had light put on your path, but you also had a synchronicity event. So yeah. talking earlier about the leading the Holy Spirit versus synchronicity, how that these two can seemingly co coexist. And another thing you were saying about letting go, you just kind of, there's a euphemism. I think it's called a euphemism. Let go and let God type of thing. It sounds like yeah. you you were letting go of some things and letting unconditional love uh, sort of be in an act active more a more active part in your life, and then you start yeah. seeing more results through that. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, that's exactly right. But another yeah. thing though, here's this is interesting. Um, the you you said you go. Let's say how do you say you go? You're going through a list. You said, you know, uh, you know, I'm black, I'm white, I'm a man, I'm a woman, and then my news-oriented mind said, said added, you didn't hear it because it was in, in, in the in the cowboy's head. They, <laughs> you forgot to say they, but here it's an interesting little side note there about they, which some people refer to themselves as. Every time Jesus encountered a demon, it was a they. You know, the demon, how many, you know, who are you? He said, we are many, we are they. So I'm just saying, next time you hear somebody say, refer to me as a they, 
Well, you just say, okay, well, how many demons do you got? That's all we want to know. All right, here's yeah. a question from Australian Ben down under. It says, okay. often been said, John, love is in the air. Does this mean that you can find love in a public space if your energy is synchronized in love? Um, well, if you are talking about uh, finding the love of your life, like a relationship, uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, if you remember at the beginning of our show, I talked about uh, people being like a tuning fork. And if your tuning fork is vibrating love, it actually is amazing how many different people uh, you find yourself with and how they act differently around you. It's kind of, it's a weird thing. And if you go into a crowded room or a crowded space full of just hate in your heart, and that's all, I mean, you're just, your tuning fork's just sending out a different message. You know, at the, at the core of us, our bodies, we call them biological, but, you know, we all know they're actually just energy. And so um, it's why it sounds really simple. And I think Jesus tried to teach this all the time. Like the more you practice love, the more you are loved. The more you mm. are, the more you are loved, the more you get loved. And the more you are hate, the more you're going to be probably clashing with people all the time. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, now, again, I don't know if he's looking for a marriage partner, you know, that kind of love. Um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I just saw something just the other day. It was just saying, uh, you know, for people that feel like nobody appreciates me. And, and I, they were saying, try and find something you appreciate. You know, maybe it's your dog. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's maybe you got a good job. Find something you appreciate. Carry that appreciation in your heart. And see if you don't see people starting to appreciate you. And so there's something to that. Uh, love begets more love, appreciation, more appreciation. Hmm. Hate. You know, when you first hate. opened up, a, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I always take notes, you know, little, little things. And yeah. one of the things I wrote down, you talk about unconditional love. Now, a dog. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we've got to bring we've got to bring the little puppy dog, the little dog into the thing. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people say that my dog taught me unconditional love. There's something about yep. the dog. You can kick the dog for no reason, and he'll say he's sorry and ask for your forgiveness. Yeah. And he forgives you, you know, I mean, but you can see, because they got souls, man, something in there more than just activity. You can see that they still have unconditional love for the master when they really shouldn't, but they do. So yeah. what can we learn from animals about the synchronicity of love, John? I think you just taught everybody. <laughs> you just nailed it. Uh, that's actually a really good example, and a lot of people recommend that. Like, you know, your dog's looking at you with some such love. You come home from your day at work, and he's wagging his tail. There it is, and it warms your heart. Now, how can you be that dog who's, you know, and I'm not saying subservient to a master, but um, how can you be that dog who's wagging his tail and other people are going to look at you like, mm -hmm. oh, shit, man, look at Daniel. He's just <laughs> he's just always a happy camper, you know. And so, um, sorry, man. <laughs> it's okay. Go. No, man, I'm just yeah. playing. I'm playing. You yeah. just talk normal. Yeah. Don't even, don't hesitate, John. If, I, if you okay. hesitate, then it's not genuine. Man, I'm getting the clouds from you. So. <laughs> it's a thought bubble, man. It's a thought bubble. The thought bubbles, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I actually totally believe that, that a lot of people can um, – uh, <laughs> hey, it is nighttime here. Um, cold Guinness would be great. Um, 
yeah, a lot of people can learn a lot from their uh, from their dogs. You know, I long time ago I had a cat, a big giant male cat named Cooper. And years ago, I was part of a men's group. It's a big, giant, worldwide organization. And we would have a bunch of men meeting in my family room. And, you know, some of the men that came in were just having a rough day or a rough life. And, uh, you know, we'd try and help them out. And this cat would come just crash through the door, like just shove the door open and walk up and sniff every single man. Typically, there'd be 10, 12, you know, 15 men sitting in a circle. And he'd sniff every one and inevitably go right to the one that was suffering the most, jump up on its lap, and sit there for the next two hours. Now, here's and a so, question for for you cat yeah. people out there. Has your cat taught you unconditional love? Let me know in the live chat in a yes or no. Um, by the way, uh, we had a synchronistic event here happen live. Uh, I mentioned the scripture from uh, Psalms 119, 105, was it? Uh Thy words light into my path, a lamp into my pathway. Somebody says they said that that is a scripture on the pad that's right in front of them right now. So I consider huh. that a synchronistic event. And somebody says, see, that's just it right there. Somebody says, oh, it's just coincidence. Well, they always had that. Well, maybe they weren't going to watch the show tonight, but they happen to be watching the show. I happen to bring up the scripture. I mean, yeah. if I didn't have you on, I, that scripture wouldn't have come up because I think it kind of goes, it adds to our conversation. Where if yeah. I, I was talking about UFOs, you know, if I had a UFO guy on or a Bigfoot guy, thy word uh, being a lamp into your pathway would not come up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I dismissed huh? the idea that it was random right there. It came because we're having this show and we're having this conversation. And that was a confirmation for us right there, John. We'll see what else turns yeah. up in the remaining time that we have. Uh, here's another question for you. Why is love so hard to find for so many people? Is it because they don't love themselves first, John? Uh, the the short, sad answer is yes, and that's my that's my flat out opinion. Uh, it's like if you want more love, it begins with you. Sometimes it has to begin with your dog, maybe your cat. <laughs> and so the more, because again, you have to understand, and science confirms this all the time, like. We are tuning forks, and uh, our bodies are biological, but they're also just energy. I mean, if you break it down to the finest level, it's just it's just energy. And so, um, <clears throat> and so, it sounds cliche, uh, and I I know it's freaking hard to do, but to begin with, self love is the beginning of changing everything in your life. If you didn't love yourself, now, and I actually, I don't know what the number is, but I got to believe that's a really huge number. I, I've heard of so many people going to religious retreats, spiritual retreats, and the hardest thing they had to do was to sit there out in nature in a tree by themselves and love themselves. Like, they just can't do it. And so, um, and, and well, again, it's, I'm going to... So, because I did kind of advertise this show as two things. One, synchronicity, yeah. and I also suggested yep. that people might get love advice. Because <laughs> this is the title of your show. book, man. So we can go there, and a lot of people yeah. need love, man. There's people watching yeah. that are yeah. that are alone. I know that, and you know, yeah. it breaks my heart. I wish everybody had their 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 soulmate, man, the one that they can rely on and, and walk beside and support and build a life. I wish everybody had that, but the reality is they don't, and there's even less every day. There's less, so my heart goes out to them. But that doesn't yeah. mean the books close, and every day, John. Well, there might be some bad chapters in your life. Guess what? We get to write the next chapter. Every day yep. we wake up, we get to write that next chapter. 
So the the book is not over. The book is not written for people, and I want to bring them hope that there is that out there. You know, the book, the the the, the chapter. You can write the next one, and it, you can you can write a horror story, and and that will go into the self hate. Man, if, for, for and and that doesn't mean that somebody's alone because they hate themselves. I'm not making that connection at all. I'm, I'm just saying that you know. The people that do hate themselves, I guess what we're talking about there, how can they find love if they hate themselves? And there is that amount of people. Got to find ways to not hate yourself. But is is well, that and, yeah that whole thing, isn't that part of our culture that society yep. tells us you're not good enough, you know, you're yep. a racist, you're a homophobe, you're bad, you know, yep. you're this color, you know. Society gets off on that. It, it's, it's an industry, John, and, and people have to fight that off. Because we're always been, we're always put into camps, and we're given reasons to hate. And so, by extension, yeah. I think then there are those that teach you to hate yourself because you're part. They say you're part of the problem, so you should actually hate yourself. You wouldn't think that would be a thing. It's called CRT. Yeah. It's being taught in school. Half the population is being told you need to hate yourself. And yeah. so, man, we're up against we're up against some bad odds here, John. Yeah, and I I want to emphasize. Uh, in my opinion, this bad stuff that we get from other people, it's, uh, and again, I, it's a Republican Democrat thing. It's a liberal conservative thing. No side is better than the other. They both have their way of kind of instilling self-hatred, self-loathing in the person. And, and I think that's why it's incredibly important. If you want to find love, uh, the first thing I would do is ask God. Show me all the things you're in the way of finding love. And if your ask is sincere, it'll come up. Because usually it's you blocking it in some way. And it can be something as simple as picking up when you were a five-year-old and your mom or dad said you're a piece of shit and you're never amount to anything. And it's mm -hmm. actually, that kind of thing can be really impactful and affect somebody for the rest of their life. And so, and so that would be the first thing is to unravel those, the things, the internal chatter that you tell yourself mm -hmm. about yourself. Because it's all crap. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, I it's can't, just something I can't. we took on, and, and it can be undone. And well, can, well, was well, it painful? I'd like to have a little bit more understanding of what you're saying yeah. there, but I, yeah. the, the equivocation between, say, right and left, or maybe Republican and Democrats, I mean, to, right off the bat, <laughs> the worst kind of hate you can have is hate the baby in the womb. One wants to kill the baby, even the baby comes out of the womb, and they're still good with killing it, and one's trying to save it. I can't say that there are two peas in a pod, left and right paradigm going on there. That's evil versus versus life, man. I mean, that's it's not exactly yeah, but there's the same. Lots of, there's, it's not there's exactly lots, the same. I mean, you gotta. I mean, my opinion, Daniel. It's just good to not be quite so black and white about everything. Because again, I think a lot of people are looking out for the woman. The woman might have been raped. Uh, she might have been 12 years old and raped by her father. Mm -hmm. I, I know so many women that were raped by their father. It's insane, including fathers who were priests. And so yeah. I, I think there's something to be said for a woman's life being in jeopardy. I mean, and this is a decision oh, doctors yeah, have nobody's going to disagree with that. Yeah, so I don't, think it's, I don't think it's that they hate the baby. I think that you know, everybody is unique in their sense of right and wrong. It's mm -hmm. their sense of, I'm a woman, my body is mine. And, and no, you don't get to impregnate me if I don't want to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so, I, again, from my understanding, uh, there, it, 
it would be really helpful if both sides would truly listen to each other. And but they don't. And I think, frankly, our media kind of just inflames it. Like you said, they well, just right, yeah. Up. Then that, that goes that goes to that because the, they the get camps. more clicks that way, you know. Yeah. And so, I you know I I don't I don't think any person I know is in favor of abortion. Uh, I don't know any woman that's had it done that didn't, you know, really think strongly about it. And mm-hmm. so, um, evidently, I, I you, evidently you have every seen, situation is unique. I well, guess that's what well, I'm trying to say. Evidently, you haven't so, seen some of the protesters at the Supreme Court holding signs saying, "I want to murder my baby." I guess you haven't seen you haven't seen that, man. But I, I have, yeah. and it kind of scars you a little bit, man. They're still underneath my eyelids. Hey, by the way, so I'm looking at this title here: uh, John David Latta, author teacher mm-hmm. everyday mystic mm-hmm. what's the mystic part john the mystic part is just the the synchronicities and guidance i get through dreams um and sometimes when i sit still i get visions and guidance that way and so that's what i call a mystic a mystic is somebody who sits still and mm-hmm. someone or something is talking to him and it's not the usual chatter in my voice that says oh god i don't want to do this i don't want to do that you mm-hmm. know you know, it, it's it's just different, and I don't know how to put it. Um, but um, throughout time, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Christian history, um, you know, Saint Teresa of Avila was a really renowned mystic, and she got all sorts of information from God and all sorts of crazy experiences. And there were other Christians who had a relatively quiet life, you know. And so I seem to be kind of in that tweener zone. I call myself an everyday mystic because, geez, I worked at a grocery chain. I ran a chemical company for 30 years, uh, family, kids, you know, so Mm -hmm. uh, played basketball. I'm 64 years old now, played basketball with a bunch of guys half my age three times a week when I was, you know, up until about age 60, but I think I'm getting too old for it now. I still watch football games in the fall and... (laughs) So, um, yeah, I just think I'm in some ways an everyday Joe, but in other ways, mm-hmm. I just get this information. And I, you know, whether you call it guidance, uh, mm-hmm. I love it. It feels like grace to me. And anybody else that's had that happen to them knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's like an act of grace. Well, we were, we were talking about uh, Psalms 119, 105, where it says that uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And I said, and I said, in lieu of synchronicity, you should consult that, that word and that will throw a light on your path and considering what you just said a few minutes ago when we were talking got a little bit political there saying you said uh, you know women have a right to their body type of thing I say a lot of women think they do and yeah. so and I, I'm not and a lot of women other women think no you don't this baby well, the, is the answer important. the answer again if you if we, we throw the light on the the light on the path of this conversation is found in First Corinthians six nineteen, it says, "What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own?" So right there, people have a question about that. The women can't say that because God Himself said, "You are not your own. I made you." So they don't they this this right to my body and kill whatever's inside is not. Is not a, How is far not do a you right. take that? Hey, does, that mean question you, for you? does that mean you never go to the doctor, never get surgery, never do anything, don't eat? I mean, like, uh, there's a thousand. We're talking things about ownership. We're talking about ownership of the body. 
Well, it's saying so do you, uh, because there are Christians that do not believe in going to doctors and getting surgery either because, mm -hmm. you know, nope, I'm just going to trust God. Okay. I mean, there's a thousand ways you could look at that. And, yeah. and it's not just about well, a woman I mean, pregnant but, but, or abortion. But nobody says, they're not out there in the street with a sign saying, my body, my choice. What I'm saying is that's, that, that's, already, that's settled. In, in, in world history, that's settled right there by a higher authority. All right, so we have this question here. It says, why do, back to love, why do guys fall in love so frequently? Is it because women are so beautiful? <laughs> uh, well, okay, so I, I'll do my best to answer that. Um, and this is just my point of view for whatever it's worth. So much of the times, and psychology talks about this a lot too, so much of the time what we fall in love with in another is something that's in ourself. And, um, and so whatever, if you see a beautiful woman and she's, I don't know, playful, let's say, uh, what you're falling in love with is your own playful side. And so humans are kind of funny things. We self-limit. We build walls around ourselves with our identity. We say, I'm this and not that. You know, society says this is how men need to be, this is how women are, this is what men are supposed to be masculine, or women are supposed to be feminine. And so a lot of qualities that are actually in men, but they don't let them out, we see in other people, we see in, in women. And um, and so what I would always, what I would ask this person who asked this question is, is there a theme that you're falling in love with? Is it beauty? Is it playfulness? Is it... Um, are they good listeners? I'm trying to think of all the things that normally would be sort of feminine qualities that we might see in women. Because in the deepest level, they're in you too. You just haven't let them out of the box yet. You know, um, you know, maybe the woman's a great artist and you've just never allowed your creative artist to get out of the box. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So much of the time what we fall in love with in another is some aspect of ourself that we're projecting onto them. Okay, so when when's the last synchronicity that struck you? <laughs> I have so much all the time. Uh, I, I'll tell you one. Uh, it was kind of one of the last chapters in my book, uh, and it wasn't a it wasn't a big one, but it's it's the kind of thing that I kind of got used to. In fact, I'll tell you two stories if you don't mind. Sure, go right ahead. Um, so my wife and I. So uh, my wife and I. So I sold my chemical company in October 2019. I'd never taken a vacation my entire life longer than 10 days. And so I went into semi-retirement, and we jumped in the car, and we were going to drive from Seattle to Florida and see all the sites all the way there and all the way back. And we left just as COVID was hitting. And I did not think it was going to be – I thought, oh, it's just a media. It's just another swine flu, bird flu. It's going to be nothing. And instead, COVID chased us all the way from west to east. Wow. <laughs> and it was weird. Like, we'd be in Texas, and everything was open in Texas, and people are Seattle like, we're all shut down. It's quarantined. And – Grocery stores don't have anything. Oh, that's normal here in Texas. Two days later, everything in Texas shut down. Anyway, all the way to Florida. And by the time we got to Florida, two days after we got there, the whole United States was shut down. And the cool thing is we had 99 cent gas. The cool thing is there was nobody staying at Airbnbs and the prices dropped to rock bottom. We went and walked into national parks. There was nobody there. So it was kind of cool. Well, we're on our way home and we had booked a place in Boise. We're working our way home and they canceled. And a lot of the Airbnb owners uh, were canceling things because at that time we didn't know if you could get COVID by touching mm -hmm. things and right. they, they weren't even sure they could stay in business and they canceled and I couldn't find another place to stay and we're in southern Utah and we're in this middle of nowhere and we had almost never seen anybody out on the trails 
And if we did, they would quickly turn and hide their face and cover their face. Right. Well, here comes this older couple, and they're really friendly. It's like, thank God. And they're in the big RV, and they're traveling all over the U.S. too. And um, and so, I know, they were saying, where are you going next? I said, well, we were thinking about going to Boise, but the place canceled on us, so we're thinking about going up through Yellowstone instead. And they're like, we're from Boise. You should go to Boise. <laughs> Anyway, they connected us to a spot to stay in Boise. And I mean, what are the chances? We're 600 miles away from Boise. And this couple, we the only couple I think we talked to in weeks, uh, says, yeah, I know all about Boise. Here's where you go. Here's what you got to do. And uh, and so that was one. And I'll give you another one, uh, kind of a strange one. Um, so I met my wife in about five years ago. And... Um, she wanted me to go to her doctor, and, and her doctor was a naturopath, and I hadn't had a physical myself in like 10 years. And <clears throat> she said, uh, so I, I said, okay, honey, I'll go to the doctor for you. I'll go to your doctor. Mm -hmm. So I gave blood, urine, and saliva, waited a week, and uh, then I was going to go in, and she was going to tell me the results, right? Okay. And so um, three days before my appointment, I have this hyper vivid dream where I meet this doctor who I'd not met yet, but it's the doctor that I'm about to visit. Mm -hmm. uh, she was an older Middle Eastern woman, and I see her in the dream putting a lab coat on and walking towards me with a clipboard, and she's reading my chart. And all she says in the dream is, wow, you definitely don't need the pellets. And so pellets are like a naturopathic treatment for men in case they're low on testosterone. And so she's reading my chart saying, no, you definitely don't need the pellets. Three days later, I go to the office. Daniel, everything happened exactly like in the dream. Wow. The, the only thing that was different was uh, she had blonde hair instead of brown hair. Well, it turned out in the last three days, she dyed her hair blonde. <laughs> but she, I see her put her lab coat on, walk towards me with my chart and say, wow, you definitely don't need the pellets. And um, so these are the kind of mystic, synchronistic experiences they don't happen every day, but they're happening a lot more than they sh than they ever used to. And prior to 20 years ago, I don't think they ever happened at all. And, well, uh, and well, it, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty mystical. Nobody nobody knows what I'm going to say on a show. That's that's mystical, isn't it? <laughs> that's a total mystery. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's check our uh, right at the end of the broadcast here, uh, John David Ladder. Let's check our poll results. Do you believe in synchronicity? And uh, the selections are nope. Yes, it's real. What is it? Does Amazon sell it? I mean, somebody's on Amazon trying to buy some synchronicity, it looks like. Uh, and they probably got it. Uh, and this is crazy, too, because my brother just said, hey. See, he goes, hey, Daniel, man, I just I just had a load of dirt delivered to my house. I said, Where, where'd you get it? He goes, Amazon. <laughs> no way. Yeah, you can, you can order a truckload of dirt off Amazon, man. I, I told him, I said, we're going to have to have an Amazon intervention, man. You're just getting too crazy with this thing. <laughs> uh, or just coincidence. So here's the results. 60% say, yes, it's real. 20% still say, what is it? Uh, nope, it's 13% 13 don't believe in it. And uh, need proof, about 3%. And just coincidence, another 3%. So, But uh, a lot of people don't know what it is. Hopefully, after this interview here, they'll have a little bit. I think we did pretty good delving into it, yeah. uh, where yeah. it comes from, what it does how it sort of reflects in your life and what advantages there are even thinking about it. But really, again, it's like I always say, just got to be more aware of your surroundings and realize that there's opportunity. You mentioned opportunities yourself. There's opportunities for an amazing life experience if you're familiar with what synchronicity is and how it works and where it pops at work, where it can pop up. But typically, it's got to be you, you, you're usually in motion when that happens. 
Maybe yeah. you're reading a book. Maybe you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. doing something. And so your entire life is an opportunity for synchronicity. So, John, we're at, right at the end of the broadcast. Uh, anything you'd like to say about your book, your website, how to get it, you go right ahead. Yeah, the book is called The Synchronicity of Love, Stories That Heal, Transform, and Awaken. It's 119 short, true stories, uh, little snippets of my life over the last 20 years and how I transformed from this uh, competitive, argumentative son of a gun into something different, hopefully better. And uh, you can get it on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. I found out recently you can get it at Target and Walmart, too. Um, And my website is johndavidlatta.com. Last name is L-A-T-T-A, johndavidlatta.com. And I got... uh, information about workshops I'm teaching, um, um, Synchronicity Love. i got a blog with some posts on there, some interesting stuff on there. And again, I want to say the focus of everything I do comes down to this unconditional love. And, you know, you were quoting the Bible, and I, I remember Jesus, and I'm not going to get this exactly right, saying, if you had to hang your hat on anything, remember, to, I think he said something like, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He does say that. Is it? All is the commandments are wrapped up in those two. Yeah. Is it easy? Not. Sometimes it's not. But I just encourage everybody, like, even if you're on one side of the political fence, you might completely disagree with people on the other side, but you can still love them. You know, they're doing the best they can. You're doing the best they can. And, uh, you know, in the end, our maker knows a hell of a lot more than we do. <laughs> All right. All righty. Yeah. Hey, so my, my middle name is Andrew. So my na- my actual name is Daniel Andrew Ott. I, I don't use that because I read somewhere that all the killers out there have three names. I, <laughs> You're not a killer, are you, John? <laughs> Asking uh, for a not. friend. No, I, I think I, I, I – Lab is actually not a very common last name. It's, okay. it's Italian originally, but uh, – I I just saw a lot of John Lattas out there, and uh, and so I thought, well, hell, I'll add my middle name because it's short, just to try and distinguish myself from all the other John Lattas that are out there. Okay, everybody, you, I don't you, have the you, name John everybody Smith, you heard it. You know? John is not a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, I, hey, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Daniel, and really appreciate the invitation and. Wait, what part? Of, you're in Indianapolis, so you right you, outside Indianapolis. Yes, you on East Coast or Central Time? Uh, well, East Coast, you no, know, it'd be it'd be sort of Central Eastern Standard Time, so it's ten o'clock right here. It is ten o'clock? Okay. Yeah, what is it after late? You're working late tonight. Every 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 Saturday night since 2003, I've been working late, John. Woo, you animal, way to go! Look, man, I'm <laughs> one of the longest running internet shows out there. The the little edge show that could, man. So what time is it out, out west? It's 7 o'clock. Sun, I'm, it's getting it's a little less bright in here. Sun's starting to go down. So you stole our sun. We had the sun. Now you guys got it. Oh, my God. It's a miracle when it's sunny here. It, usually we say summer doesn't start till after the 4th of July in Seattle, and here it is all sunny and hot in May. <laughs> well, if, I, if I'm if i so close to Indianapolis that if, if, I, if I listen closely, I can hear the cars going around the speedway. Woohoo! <laughs> Month of May, man. That's really close. Race month in Indianapolis. All right. John, thanks so much. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate the invitation. Have a great evening. You too.